the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. On this day, we get to celebrate the Feast of St. Barbara, the patron of this area, of not quite the city that we're in, but the patron definitely when we are out among people outside of this area, we're from Santa Barbara. And this is our patron that we celebrate this day. And today, the epistle that you heard, so excellently read, is assigned to St. Barbara. The epistle then tells us a little bit about her life, about how we are to understand what it is that St. Barbara experienced in her life. But first, we need to kind of understand that epistle before we hear her story and perhaps hear it with new ears hear elements of it that we had not heard before in new ways that will help us as we come to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The epistle speaks of having a custodian, of being under a restraint, and of also being enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world, and that this is what it was like before Christ for all of humanity. For all human beings that had ever lived, they were either slaves or they were children under a guardianship, not fully into what they were meant to become by their creation, by their creator. St. John Chrysostom says that the expression to be confined under and to be kept under a restraint signify nothing else than the security given by the commandments of the law, which are like a fortified wall contained, which contained them with fear and a life conformable to the law. And so it kept them to the faith. It was a guard for them. It was not just a way of life, but it kept guard so that faith could continue to grow. What is translated as custodian in, our, in the epistle that we heard is the Greek word pedogos. Pedagogos, someone who was in charge. This was a title given to some slave who was in charge of giving an education to the little boys in their master's house. And that education was not just one of facts and knowledge and data. It was a tutor, a trainer, a guardian. He was the one who was in charge and spent the most time with the master's sons. And St. Jerome says this. This is what was most important about the point that St. Paul is bringing out. St. Jerome says that, that he guards another person's son. And at some point he will depart from him when the lawful time of inheritance arrives. This is what St. Paul is communicating to us about the law and about all the experiences of people before Christ. That in the best circumstances, it was something to be passing, something that we needed to step into as human beings when the time was right, when we reached the fullness of our maturity that our Father in heaven had ordained for us, had ordained for us. So a custodianship, a guardianship, is not supposed to last forever. It passes away when the time is right. It ends when the child becomes mature 
and lives in a way that he is able to, be, to properly use the inheritance that is before him. So we, in this epistle, are hearing something that we should hold to and then come out of. And we come out of the guardianship of the law and the enslavement to the elemental spirits of this world and into the gift that Christ longs to give us. And this is none other than adoption by the Father in heaven as his sons through faith, through the faith of Christ. What he won for us allows us to enter into this adoption, enter into that appointed time where the inheritance can be given to us. The law's function was really only to protect and train up the people of God to be ready for Christ when the time had fully come. And the pagan world, they didn't get to experience this law. They experienced it only as the enslavement to those elemental spirits that St. Paul is telling us about. They both knew very little about their creator or really even about what sustained the universe. They were cut off from him, somewhat closer in the law or almost completely cut off in the pagan world where they worshipped those elemental spirits and thought them to be gods. But really, in reality, St. Paul is saying it was a kind of enslavement. Both were not able to fully know the freedom in Christ that was both was getting ready for them to make them his sons by adoption. So Christ came to be that promise that was given to Abraham that is mentioned so briefly in the epistle. Christ came to be that promise for us. No other person could fulfill it, no matter how hard they tried. Only he, who was of Abraham's bodily offspring, and also God in the flesh, could make that promise be complete. The faith of Christ is the fulfillment that made Abraham's children more numerous than the stars and the sands, the grains of sand on the seashore. With life in Christ, all human beings could now become Abraham's offspring and inheritors of that very promise. The faith made them those offspring, and they became sons of God in truth. Whether man or whether of woman, they became sons of God. Christ came to complete and transcend the purpose of the law, and he came not just as a child under guardianship, functionally no different than one who is enslaved to those elemental spirits, but to make us sons. We enter into Christ, and those who are called Christians through the ages are the sons of God, more numerous than we could ever account for. Before him, we were separated from one another. And most importantly, we could not have a relationship of a son to a father that God desired us to have and desired us to really fully live out. He set out sonship as our inheritance and that our seemingly natural division and animosities that we may have could be overcome in and through him. So the law guarded us from complete slavery to those elemental spirits, but we were far from living as his sons. And that is the kind of freedom that St. Barbara's life 
is the definition of. She became, if you can say so, maybe it grammatically grates against our ears, she became a son of God. And this is what her life is. So what was the elements of her life? She was a young woman coming into the age of marriage, living in a city now that we call Baalbek, which actually our, our patriarchal vicar, he's the metropolitan of this city. And in Greek, it's called Heliopolis, which is easy to understand. It was a place where they worshipped the sun. The things shining in the sky, they thought it was their god. And in this place, she had a pagan father who was adamantly and ferociously a pagan. The only daughter that he had was St. Barbara. She was beautiful, educated, of a very high character. And she was kept in a tower by her father so that she could be hid away from others so that they wouldn't seek after her for her great beauty. And for a time when he could choose for her to marry somebody. This is why he kept her in a tower. And he provided for her through her youth many luxurious things. Servants, gourmet foods, fine garments, vessels of great beauty. And she was kept there to enjoy those things and be distracted by them. But when the suitors came and they knew that she was of age, he began to approach her and see who she wanted to marry because they had heard of the reputation of her beauty and that how she would be an asset to their household by her education and by the things that she was formed by, by her father. But she told him, I desire to remain a virgin. I don't want to marry. And he thought that she was insane for this. And perhaps that she was only scared of what marriage would mean for her. But the Holy Barbara knew that this, the importance of this decision, and she began to desire more than just not being married. She desired to give all of herself. The beginnings of faith were formed in her. She began to have a faith in Jesus Christ as her Lord and as her God. And she remained somewhat what we could call like a secret catechumen up in her tower for some amount of time. And Dioscorus, that's the name of her father, began to build a great bathhouse below her tower. And he commanded that there would only be two windows in that bathhouse. And then he left home for a great while to do something uh, for business on behalf of the city of Baalbek. And he left his daughter hoping that time, her greater age, and the added luxury of this bathhouse would make her change her desire and make her change her mind as she was coaxed from all this bodily pleasure that surrounded her and that maybe she would give up this idea of remaining a virgin and eschewing marriage. And he left her for those elemental spirits to work upon her. But during the building of the bathhouse, Barbara came and began to oversee the construction of it. And she told those construction workers, build a third window on this other wall here so that a greater light would illumine this place and become even more beautiful. And they did as she said, and they put in this third window. And when it was completed, and she was standing in that pool, she traced the sign of the cross on a marble wall. 
And there, that cross became engraved as if someone had taken a chisel and etched the cross right into that marble. And in this way, someone came and baptized her into this, in this very bathhouse that was meant to coax her away from her Lord. But it became her baptismal chapel. And she was illumined by holy baptism. And by her faith and her knowledge, she did these things. Because God aided her. It is here that the account tells us that her father returned and saw the things that she had changed in the plans that he had laid forth in this bathhouse. And she became a woman of great zeal. And there's an account in her life where as she was passing her father's idols, set out, she said, oh, these deaf and dumb things. And she spat on the faces of these idols and said, may all that made you and who worship you be made like you. So she turned her heart completely away from these elemental spirits and embraced her Lord. When her father returned and saw these things, and he discovered that the bathhouse did not follow his exacting orders, and that he saw a cross etched in a place where he did not want it, he questioned his daughter in that very building. And she explained the whole matter to him, proclaiming the building was now a witness to the light of the Holy Trinity, and that the means of salvation there would illumine all of creation. The light of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, she said, would noetically shine upon all of creation. And her father, at this word from her, his daughter, lost all thought and all reason, and he became enraged and full of wrath, pulling out his sword and chasing her into the mountains, and eventually catching up with her and dragging her before the governor of that region and saying that she will not offer to the idols. And he brought her to be tortured for denying the gods. The governor sought, seeing her beauty, to persuade her to preserve the elements of her flesh by just offering a small offering to the idols so that she could save her beauty. But the holy Barbara proclaimed that the only sacrifice and offering that she was willing to give would be made to God who made all creation alone, not the sun itself, not these idols who are deaf and cannot speak. So Dioscorus, her father, became more enraged and he took over, beginning to torture her to try and get her to deny Christ. He beat her, he cut her, he mutilated her, and he tried to display her for shame. But each night, for two nights in a row, she was healed by Christ herself, as if nothing, Christ himself, as if nothing had happened to her. No sign of her tortures as she entered into the new day were there by Christ's own miracle and word. And seeing this, her father became even more enraged, and it's by his own sword that he hewn her head from her shoulders. And her devotion to the Holy Trinity was complete there. Her holy blood was spilled as a witness of her devotion to him. And her father, this is not the end of his story, but very near, seeing and being driven mad by and consumed by his own wrath, it was completed as he followed the demons in wrath and in seeking retribution. 
in that pagan worship that he loved so much. A lightning bolt struck him and consumed his whole flesh. There was nothing to bury from him. And he gave up his soul to that. So Holy Barbara gave her soul and was united to Christ while her father was further and further divided from his daughter and from the creator of all that he desired to worship. So how does this connect? Why do we read this epistle? And it's for that very reason of what Christ does. He unites us and draws us together to himself so that no division will be between us. Jesus is the person that unites all of those divisions. Even what seem, is seemingly natural or obvious divisions are made one in Christ. By him, St. Barbara overcame all things by the courage that she had in her Christ, in her Savior. She was brought into the maturity of Christ very quickly. And yet, and from away from the enslavement of the idols of her father and the confinements and the expectations of her pagan city, and she overcame the divisions that were set before her, and that she became united to Christ, showing nothing as a separation from her, but our own sins and our own passions. That's all that can separate us. St. Maximus the Confessor beautifully teaches us that this is the central result of the Incarnation. The Son of God in the flesh entered creation as a human being, a perfect human being, who healed our division and our brokenness and gave us boldness to live out the salvation that's given to us. So Christ unites all sorts of divisions, even one that seems so natural, of a man and a woman being two different things that could be at animosity with one another. But Christ healed even this division between us. Christ, humanity, has its own, humanity has its own division. We are male and we are female. But in its dispassionate relationship with the divine virtue, with God himself, there is no division. Thus did the incarnate Jesus cancel the difference between male and female as it meant for the inheritance of the kingdom. And the partitioning of our nature was overcome. There is neither male and female, for we are all one in Jesus Christ, as we heard in the epistle. With our complete nature, he united it all, having demonstrated the convergence of the entire creation into one in himself, according to his own sovereign and complete logos, who was himself, which is entirely undivided and unsevered. And he first united us in himself by the removal of the differences of how we are accounted before God of male and female. And in place of men and women, St. Maximus says, he properly and truly exhibited just human beings, entirely transfigured to become like him, bearing his integral and complete and authentic icon. His authentic image is imprinted on us. Thus did he divinely recapitulate and recreate everything in himself, having shown the entire creation to exist as one. Now the whole creation can reveal itself as having one and the same logos of God based on its creator, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what St. Maximus is saying is the fulfillment of our salvation. 
Thus we are saved not by dividing ourselves and asserting one thing over another, of fighting with one another, of having nothing to do with another, but by uniting ourselves in the recreation which Christ is making us to be, by becoming sons of God. By entering his thought and his work, are we recreated and saved from the perpetual guardianship and enslavement to the world. This is what St. Barbara did. We may be different. We are men, we are women. We have this background or that background, this position in society or that class level. But in Christ, the creator of all things, we become united, not at odds, but as one, as a Catholic wholeness, a unity where light of the Holy Trinity shines on all of us, and that the cross can be etched into our very soul deeper than it was etched into that marble that St. Barbara traced, so that the triple light may illumine us, and we worship it, and our very self is healed by that action. So let us pray that we can be like St. Barbara with her courage, to go from knowledge of God to more knowledge of God and to know him as the light that illumines all of creation as she proclaimed to her father and as she went to be united with her Lord and Savior. O Jesus Christ, the Lord and creator of all creation, illumine us by the light of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that in you we may have the courage to overcome all that separates us from you and from each other. Guard and guide us to become authentic images of you, as St. Barbara was and is. O Holy Barbara, keep us who live in this place under your patronage, that by your prayers before Christ our God, he would have mercy on us and illumine us and save us by his great might. Amen.